mention too, pray for um, um, Debbie Rakeb's uh, husband's family, sister um, Betty's daughter, Debbie. Uh, her husband's brother passed away. And so uh, let's keep them in our prayers also for peace and comfort there in that family as well. Amen? Praise God. All right. We're going to go to Luke chapter 1, read our, our, um, just our main text for our Wednesday night sessions that we've been having on Wednesday night. I don't know if anybody else has been getting blessed on Wednesday night, getting anything out of this. But I know that I have been. It's really, if, if it hadn't encouraged anybody else or built anybody, else faith, anybody else, else's faith, it has mine. So uh, praise God. I like to preach to myself sometimes. Amen. Matter of fact, most of the time I preach, I'm preaching to me anyway. In Luke chapter 11, verse 1, and we're talking about Lord teach us to pray is the theme of these uh, of these messages and these lessons. And um, that's what the disciples, one of the disciples came to the Lord and asked him to teach us. He said, Lord, teach us to pray. Um, as John also taught his disciples, teach us to pray. Now we've, um, we've made the, uh, we've, met, we've stated the fact that how important prayer is. I don't think any of us would argue that, that prayer is, is very important in our personal lives and in the corporate life of the church. I've already made the statement how it's the lifeline of the church. And learning to pray, to be effective in prayer and learning to pray effectively and pray the right way according to the scriptures um, is very important probably one of the most important things that a believer can learn to do is to be a man or a woman of prayer. I don't know, from the time as a, as a young man when I got saved, from that time the Lord has, had just always put a desire in my heart to pray. I wanted to learn as much as I possibly could about prayer. I would read books on prayer and study prayer and, and uh, study the Bible about prayer. And I just had a desire to pray, to be, a, to be a person of prayer. That should be the desire of all of us here tonight. We all should want to have a successful prayer life, an effective prayer life. And we probably are not going to be effective or successful in fulfilling God's plan and purpose and will for our lives unless we are people of prayer. That's, that's how God's going to work in our life. You know, be, having a prayer life is not going to make God love you anymore or, in, or not love you less or anything like that. But uh, it will definitely enhance your relationship with God. I know, you know, we think about prayer and people think about prayer as just being a way to receive things from God. And well, yeah, that is part of it. God has given us that, that avenue of prayer um, to be able to approach Him with our needs, with our petitions, and lay them before Him, and to get answers to prayer. I mean, if we're going to pray, we want answers, don't we? I mean, when, we're, when, we're, when we have needs and we pray, we want answers. So that's just, but that's just part of our prayer life. The main thing about prayer is that it enhances our relationship with the Lord. 
and uh, our walk with the Lord. So if we want to be successful in that walk, we need to learn how to pray. Well, and so that's what we've been talking about. We've been talking about the, the, the five most important factors in New Testament prayer. New co- under the New Covenant, uh, we have such a better covenant under this New Covenant since Jesus has died, rose from the dead, seated at the right hand of the Father, we have a better covenant with greater promises and greater benefits than what we had or what they had under the old covenant. So prayer is more effective as in your life, in my life, as a New Testament believer than it even was. Man, listen, they had some great powerful results in prayer in the old covenant. Just imagine how much more uh, greater results we can have in, under the new covenant. Now that Jesus has died, um, defeated the devil, given us um, his righteousness, made us sons and daughters of God, where we now have the, we have the privilege through his name to go right into the very presence of God. How awesome is that? I mean, you know, that's, that's an awesome privilege. So, you know, he, is, he has given us so many, many, many precious promises. Peter said exceeding great and precious promises that through these, you know, we can, we can tap into his best blessings for our life. So any, anything that the Lord teaches us, he will teach us from the word. Isn't that right? From God's word. He's not going to teach us anything that's outside of the word of God. Doesn't matter what you or I think about it. Doesn't matter what our tradition may have been growing up. If the Lord's going to teach us something, it's got to line up with the Bible. So when he teaches us, it just, you know, it just stands to reason then that when he teaches us about prayer, that he's going to teach us from the word of God. So that's what we're doing. We're, we're looking at the five, five important factors in prayer, in New Testament prayer. And we've covered three of these already, haven't we? We've covered three of these already. The very first one was what? Pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. We, have, we, we come to the Father when it comes to praying for something, asking God for something. Jesus was very specific in John 16, 23. He said, and in that day, speaking of the day that he, um, that he goes back to the Father after he uh, died on the cross and goes back to the Father, he said, in that day, under this new covenant, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name, Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So praise God. Isn't that an awesome promise? So we go to the Father in the name and, and, and through that name, and I don't want to preach these, these points all over again, but through the name of Jesus and only through the name of Jesus do we have access into, unto the Father and into the holy place. All right? Uh, any prayer that is prayed and not prayed in the name of Jesus or an approach to God without using the name or coming through the Lord Jesus, you're not going to get there. You're just not going to do it. So we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. That's the first thing about prayer. 
Um, and that's prayer to receive from Him. Um, then the second thing, the second important factor about prayer that we talked about was, and this is where a lot of times we, we all miss it, and that is when you pray, and now we're talking here about you as an individual, personally, myself, and you know, praying for a need that I have, something that I need God to do in my life. When you pray, Jesus said that we must believe that we receive the answer. That's where faith comes in, right? We have to believe. Mark eleven twenty four. He said, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And so that's a very important factor in prayer because prayer that's not prayed in faith is not going to be answered. And Jesus said that we will have what we ask for, what we pray for, after we believe that we receive them. I read this, uh, that, that verse also, I think last week to you in the Amplified. And the Amplified, it says, that, says it this way, For this reason I'm telling you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe, trust, and be confident that it is granted to you and you will get it. Amen. Now there may be a time element there, and most of the, of the time there is, but between the time that you pray and between the time that that, that that prayer is manifested or that answer comes. We talked about Daniel. Remember in the Old Testament, Daniel prayed for 21 days and fasted for 21 days. And, uh, but on that 21st day when the angel finally came with the answer, um, Remember what he said? The, the words of the angel to Daniel was, were, was this. What, what did he tell him? He said, Daniel, from the very first day that you prayed, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, from the very first day that you prayed, he said, God sent me with the answer. He said, and I am come right now for your words. So he didn't, God didn't answer the prayer on the 21st day. God actually answered the prayer on the first day, but there were some hindrances that kept the answer from getting to Daniel. See, that's where that fight of faith has to come in. You've got to continue to believe that God has granted it, that God has done it. Now, you know, we, we, I don't have time to go through all that again, but it, but, it, but, it, but it depends on, you know, it has to be something that you've prayed for that is in the will of God. God's not going to answer a prayer that's out of His will has to be based on a promise from something that He's promised, something that He has provided in the atonement. And can I tell you something? Anything that the Lord has provided for you and I through the cross and through the atonement, all of those things are available to us, but we have to appropriate them through prayer and faith. They're not just going to... The, the, the benefits and the blessings of, of God and of the cross are not just going to fall on us automatically. We have to uh, pray. We have to believe. We have to appropriate the promises and the blessings of the Lord. Amen? Amen. 
Praise God. I know some people take the attitude, well, if God wants me to have it, He'll give it to me, and if He don't, He won't. Well, you're not apt to receive too much like that. Amen? Because that's, that's a passive attitude, and that's not... that. You know, it requires a fight of faith to lay hold of the promises of God and get the answers that the Lord wants us to have. And the enemy will fight you. He will stand in your way. He will do everything the enemy will that he can to try to prevent you from receiving your healing, your, your financial blessing met, need met, uh, whatever, your, your loved one from getting saved. Amen. How many knows that's the will of God for your family to be saved? Satan will fight that. He'll do everything he can to try to prevent that. But that's where that fight of faith comes in. And you've got to continue to believe and to thank God and to praise God that he's heard your prayer and that you know the answer, hallelujah, is on the way. Amen. Boy, I tell you what, that's exciting. So we talked about, we talked about that. Then last Wednesday night, how many was here last Wednesday night? Man, we got down where the rubber meets the road last Wednesday night because the third most important thing about prayer is connected with that verse we just read, Mark eleven twenty four. the next two verses, because we shout about that verse. What, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive, and you shall have them all. Praise God. But the very next verse, Jesus said this in Mark eleven twenty five. He said, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, and this is some heavy stuff, but if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. And remember we said that forgive, what did forgive mean? Forgive means to send away, to let go, to let alone to disregard and not to discuss. That's the the definition of forgive from the Strong's Concordance. To forgive means to send away. When you're talking about something that, that someone has done to you that has hurt you or whatever, and you're holding that against them, to forgive them means to send it away to let it go, to let it alone, to disregard and not to discuss it. In the Amplified, it kindly brings that out because it says in the Amplified, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him and let it drop, leave it and let it go. So, you know, when you let something drop and you leave it and you let it go, you're not going to continually be rehashing it all the time. Come on, somebody. Amen. Is this the same group was here last week? All right. But we talked about how important that, that element of prayer is because prayer will just not work for you or me or anybody else in a heart that has unforgiveness in it against someone, against a brother, sister, or someone in Christ. So we have to be very careful that our root of bitterness or envy, revenge, hard feelings, that type of thing doesn't, doesn't get a hold of us because uh, it will definitely shipwreck our faith. And you'll never be able to, uh, to, to, to really be what you should be for the Lord um, if you're not willing to forgive those who have done you wrong. All right? 
So that was last week. We talked about that parable of the, that Jesus gave in Matthew 18 about the unforgiving servant when Peter, Peter thought he was being real generous when he said, Lord, how, how many times do I have to forgive? How about seven? Does that sound right? Amen. Jesus said, no, Peter, no, seven won't do, but how about 70 times seven, 490? What, he was, what Jesus was saying, see, Peter wanted to, he wanted to keep an account. Peter wanted to keep an account. So you do me wrong. Okay, there, you, I got you down once. Amen. He wants to keep an account. And if I can get, I might be able to do, I might be able to go seven times, Jesus, but I don't think I can go any more than that. But Jesus said 70 times seven, 490, which what he meant was unlimited, unlimited. Doesn't matter. If that's 490 times in one day, you, you, your brother, your sister, someone wrongs you, sins against you. And what I'm telling you to do takes the takes the spirit of the Lord to do it, amen? It takes the Lord working in you. The love of God, the Bible said, is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. So we need that, we need to walk in that love and exercise that forgiveness. And not only will our prayers not work, not only will our prayer life be affected if we're unwilling to forgive, but, but, Jesus went on to say that if we don't forgive others their trespasses, our heavenly Father will not forgive us of our trespasses. So that's some pretty heavy stuff right there. Amen. And we, we went through that parable of, in Luke chapter, or uh, yeah, in Matthew chapter 18 of the unforgiving servant. And uh, you can get the CD from last week and uh, get all of that. But we've got to make sure that, when, that, we, um, that we're walking in forgiveness. Amen? You take that opportunity when you pray. He said do it when you pray. Lord, if there's anything there, if there's anything, praise God. If, you, if your brother's got all against you, if you are holding something there, let it go, let it drop, get it under the blood, forgive, hallelujah, and move on in Jesus. Come on, somebody, amen. So number four, here's number four. The four, and I'm, I, I don't know, I was going to try to do four and five tonight, but we'll see how that goes. But here's the fourth most important factor in New Testament prayer. Okay, we, we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. We believe we receive when we pray. We forgive when we pray. We walk in forgiveness. Be sure we forgive. But here's something that's so important, so important in prayer, and makes me, makes me so thankful for the Holy Ghost. And that is this. The fourth most important factor in prayer is that we need to depend upon the Holy Spirit to help us in our prayer life. Amen? Depend upon the Holy Spirit. I don't know about anybody else here, but I am so glad, so thankful for the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Praise God. He is our helper. He is the paracletos, the comforter, the one called alongside to help us, amen, in every situation, in every area of life. I don't know what I would do if I didn't have the Holy Ghost. Oh, praise God. And so, you know, in all the things that the Holy Spirit has been sent to do, and we could go through and, and just mention all the things. He's our, he's our comforter. He's our counselor. He's our... 
our strengthener. He's, he does so many things for us. He's our teacher. He guides us. Amen. It's just so many things that he does. But one of the most important blessings of the Holy Spirit in our life is that he is there. He is living on the inside of you to help you in your prayer life. Amen? And this is so vital. This is so vital that he's there to help us in our prayer life. Romans chapter 8. We all know this. Romans chapter 8 and verse 26, the apostle Paul talks about this. And he says this. Likewise, the Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. The King James says infirmities, and that word doesn't mean that you're ill or sick. It's the Greek word that means a weakness of the flesh or some kind of weakness in your life. And so the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. And so you, we know the Holy Spirit helps us in all of our weaknesses, don't we? He strengthens us in every area of weakness. But Paul's going to talk here about a specific weakness that we all have that the Holy Spirit helps us in. And here's what it is. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. How many's ever been there? Amen. Do you always do you always know what to pray for when you pray as you ought? Now I know somebody said, "Well, yeah, I know what to pray for. I pray for me, my my husband, uh, my son, and his wife, and us four no more." That's, that's about it. Amen. <laughs> Yeah, I know what to pray for. I pray and ask the Lord to bless me and my family and my cats and my dogs and all that, you know, and bless them. And that's about it, you know. I, that's what I pray for. Well, he didn't say, you know, we know, we do, we've been talking about how to pray. And notice that he didn't say there that we don't know how to pray, did he? He didn't say that because we've been talking about how to pray. Pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Make your petitions known to Him. Believe that you receive when you pray and all of those things. Um, you know, but, but He didn't say we didn't know how to pray. He just said that we don't know for what to pray as we ought. And, and notice that it's as we ought because we do know some things to pray. I gave a few prayer requests here tonight, a, a few folks, a couple of folks that are in need of prayer prayer, you know, someone that's going to have surgery, someone that's, that's maybe recovering from surgery, individuals that need healing in their life. We know, we know what to pray for, for them to be healed, but we don't always know what to pray for as we ought to pray. We don't know. We, we're limited, I guess I'm trying to say. We are limited when it comes to praying with just um, our understanding or our natural mind. We're limited in what we know to pray. Amen? Praise God. I mean, I may know my, my son or my daughter, one of my children may have need. Anybody ever have kids and have need? Amen. One of our kids may have a need. And I know to pray for them. I know that they need prayer. But I may not know and most of the time don't know exactly how to pray for their situation as I ought. I can ask God to bless them. I can ask God to help them. I can ask God to deal with them. I can ask God to save them and all those things. But, 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 but to go, but to go deeper than that, I have to have some help from the Holy Spirit to know how to pray more effectively as I ought to pray. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. See, this is why it's so important that we're baptized in the Holy Spirit with 
the evidence speaking in other tongues because those tongues, those tongues that you, you receive when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, not only is that the evidence of the baptism, but those tongues are the prayer language. Oh, hallelujah. That God gives to us to help us to pray. And that's what Paul is talking about here. He said that we don't know. We don't know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us. Listen to me. There's things in your life. My, there's things in my own life sometimes that I don't know what to pray, how to pray, or what to pray for about that situation. That's all. Things that affect me. But oh, the Holy Ghost always knows exactly how to pray. Hallelujah. And He says the Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the, what the mind of the Spirit is. He's talking about God there. God the Father searches the hearts, our individual hearts, and he knows, God knows the mind of the Spirit, and he, the Spirit, makes intercession, notice this, for the saints according to the will of God. That's something that's so very important when you're praying in the Spirit. We'll get into that in a minute. Praying in the Spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in other tongues, praying also in groanings here that Paul talks about. But we're, when, when, the Holy, when we're allowing the Holy Spirit to help us, to give us utterance, to pray over these situations, let me tell you why that's so important. Because you might pray a prayer and miss it. You might pray a prayer and get out of the will of God. But the Holy Spirit, when He prays, He never prays a prayer outside the will of God. He always makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So when you're praying in the Holy Ghost, you're always praying the perfect prayer. Yeah. Hallelujah. You don't always know what you're saying. And you would if God would give you the interpretation of it or let you know what you're praying about. And He does do that. And there is scripture for that. And he does do that sometimes. You ever prayed in the Holy Ghost? and You don't know what you're saying, but the Holy Spirit would just let you know that's who you're praying for. They needed that. That's who you're praying for. Oh, hallelujah. Look at 1 Corinthians. Go to 1 Corinthians 14. I got, I got about 15, 20 minutes here to go. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14 and 15. Now here Paul's talking about, again, praying with the Spirit or in the Spirit. And he tells us exactly what praying in the Spirit is. Because let me, let me read another verse before we go to that. Ephesians 6, 18 this is a very important verse on prayer, but Paul says in Ephesians 6, 18, it's, this is the verse that concludes the whole armor of God. He's just talked about us standing against the wiles of the devil, and he gives us the whole armor of God. And I believe the 18th verse is a part of that armor as well. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Notice that phrase, in the Spirit. 
being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And you can't, you know, he uses that term there, in the Spirit, in the Spirit. He's also then in 1 Corinthians, we'll go back to 1 Corinthians 14, but he talks here about praying with the Spirit. And he tells us what it is to pray with the Spirit or in the Spirit, when the Scripture's talking about praying in the Spirit. Because a lot of times we get the idea when the Bible says to pray in the Spirit or pray in the Holy Ghost, that that just means we just, you know, if you'd ask the or just any Christian, they might say, what does it mean to pray in the Spirit? They say, well, I guess that means you pray faster or you get a little more excited or you get a little more energized when you pray. And sometimes that happens. The Holy Spirit moves on you and you're praying in English or your, your native tongue. You're praying uh, with your understanding and the Holy Spirit will move on. And sometimes that happens. But that's, that's not what Paul talked about when he talked about praying in the Spirit or with the Spirit. So look at 1 Corinthians 14. He says this, verse 14. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. And he's talking about prayer there, is he not? He's talking about prayer, and he says, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. And I think there's something that we need to get a hold here of that's important about this. I hope I can help you to see this. Because, because, because you, you are, we're a triune being, aren't we? We are spirit, soul, and body. Is that right? And, and the spirit is the, Peter said the, that that spirit man is the hidden man of the heart. That spirit, you are a, a spirit being. Listen, the real you is a, is a spirit being. You live inside, you have a soul and you live inside of a human body. And this, this or a flesh body, this body is the house you live in as long as you're here on earth. And one of these days you're gonna put this tabernacle off and lay this old house down and go to be with Jesus, amen? But, 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 but the, the house that you live in, this old flesh is gonna just be laid down, but you're still gonna be very much alive. You're gonna be very much alive. And uh, man, I, I don't have time to go into all that, but, but, but you understand what I'm saying. You're, you, have, you're, you, 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 you live inside. You're, listen, I'm looking at you through the windows of my house. The real Rick Hensley's inside here. You ain't never seen the real Ricky. You just seen the house that I live in. Come on, amen? And so when you get born again, Jesus said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit is what? Spirit. So what, get, what gets reborn when you get the new birth and you get born again? It's your real, the real you, the spirit man, becomes what? A new creation, a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things are passed away and all things become new. You didn't become, you didn't become new in your body when you got born again, did you? Huh? If you was ugly when you got saved, you're still, you're still ugly before you got saved, you're still ugly after you got saved. I don't know where that came from, but <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, you know? If you had blue eyes, 
before you got born again, you got up from the altar, you still had blue eyes. But there was a transformation and a change that took place, but it happened on the inside of that spirit man. Glory to God. He was made brand new. Woo! I looked the same. I still had the same long hair and looked the same as I did when I got up from the altar that Sunday morning and I got saved. I looked the same on the outside, but I can tell you something. There was a change on the inside because, man, I came in there. I came in there after partying uh, late that Saturday night, and when I got up from that altar, I didn't want no more partying. I didn't want no more alcohol. I didn't want no more cussing. I didn't want no more filthy language. Come on. There was an instantaneous change that took place on the inside of me. That's the greatest miracle that can ever happen is the rebirth, the new birth, the born again experience when a person is transformed in their spirit. Now God's still working on this outside part to get this outside. That's what sanctification is. That's what Paul meant when he said that we're to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. It's in here. You just got to get it worked out here where everybody can see it. Come on. Praise God. So I said all that to say this. Paul said, for if I pray in a tongue, who prays? Not my mind. Not my, not my brain or my mind, but my what? My spirit prays. The Amplified said, my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me. That's where the Holy Spirit's living, in you, in your body, in your spirit. He's in there to give you utterance. So listen, so when you pray in a tongue, when you're praying in what we call and what Paul mentioned, praying in the spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost, You're not praying out of your mind, but you're praying with a supernatural language and it's coming out of your spirit man. It's your spirit man praying. Somebody said, well, what good does that do? Because I don't know what I'm saying. Amen. Sometimes that's a good thing. Amen. (laughs) And and, And you know, that really doesn't matter anyway because whether you know what you're saying or not because you're not talking, listen, you're not talking to yourself and you're not talking to anybody else. But Paul said in that 14th chapter that when you speak in an unknown tongue, you speak not unto men, but you're speaking unto God. Amen. No man understands you. Nobody understands you. You don't understand it, but you're talking to God, and He does understand it. And the good thing about it is nobody else understands it. You don't understand it, and neither does the devil understand it. Amen. He can't get in on the conversation. He, it, there hadn't been anything that, that Satan has fought any harder than he has speaking in other tongues. He has fought that because he knows the power that that is involved in praying in the Spirit. And that is the main reason. Of course, the Holy Spirit's given to us. He said you'll receive power after the Holy Spirit's come upon you to be witnesses. Yes, but all of that involves that that greatest, the greatest thing that, that leads us into more power and leads us into the other gifts of the Spirit and helps develop our spiritual life and walk with the Lord is that is those that ability to be able to pray with the Spirit in that heavenly language. Amen. Amen. So let's go back to that verse 
14. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, my understanding is unfruitful. Verse 15. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit. What does that mean? With tongues. Is that what he said? I will pray with the Spirit. Now, now listen. That says there that his will comes into play. Paul's will comes into play as well. Somebody said, well, you know, um, I'm just waiting for the Holy Ghost to move on me. Let me tell you something. If you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, He's always on go. He's always ready. Amen. He's just waiting for you to, 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 to yield to Him. Amen. We get the idea that, well, we got to wait for the Holy Ghost just to take us and, and just make us pray in tongues. And that's the thing that hinders so many people from receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit because they're expecting the Holy Ghost to come in and just do them like a puppet, you know, and, and make them talk in tongues. And there's nowhere in the Bible that, that says that the Holy Ghost talks in tongues. He does, you the one talking in the tongues. He's the one giving you the utterance and prompting you to, to speak, but you have to yield to that and speak. Amen. So he says, I will pray with the Spirit and I will also pray with the understanding. What's he saying? I'll pray both ways. I'll pray as much as I know in my understanding. But when I do, what I don't know to pray as I ought to, then I will pray with the Spirit and depend upon the Holy Spirit to give me the utterance to pray and intercede through me and in me for those things that I don't know what to pray for. And oh, that's so powerful. Said, I will sing with the Spirit. Anybody ever sing in tongues? Huh? Yeah. Praise God. I can't sing, but I think I sound pretty good when I'm singing in tongues. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. But he said, I'll, I'll sing with the Spirit and I'll sing with the understanding also. So we need to pray with our spirit as well as with our understanding. We need to depend upon the Holy Spirit. Because we all pray with our understanding, but not everyone prays with the Spirit. Praying in tongues is praying with your Spirit by the help and with the help of the Holy Spirit within you. Amen. This is the best way, ladies and gentlemen, to pray for other people. Is to pray in the Spirit for them because you don't know everything about that situation. Pray what you know about them. Um, what you know with your understanding, but then do as Paul said and say, now I will pray. Holy Spirit, I'm dependent on you to help me. I will pray with the Spirit now in other tongues. Amen. That's the best way to pray for them when you don't know the problem or the need because you, we definitely know the Holy Spirit does know how to pray. And that's what Paul said there again in Ephesians 6.18 when he says praying with all prayer. That means all kinds of prayer, all manner of prayer, all prayer and supplication. And then he says in the Spirit and be watchful in this end with all perseverance and supplication. Notice this, for all saints. 
Well, he has to be talking about, when he's talking about their praying in the Spirit, he has to be talking about the Holy Spirit giving us the utterance to pray in tongues because I don't know all saints and I can't pray for all saints and I don't know the needs of all saints, but the Holy Ghost does because he is God. Hallelujah. Woo! Man, if we could get a hold of this. Transforms our life. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to, you're getting out early tonight, so. <laughs> Praise God. So important that we as, a, as, a, as individuals and as a church get a hold of this. I was going to get into the intercession part, but it's the best way to intercede. You know, there's times, and I don't know if, how many times you've experienced this. I have, and I'm sure most everybody has. But you'll have a burden of prayer. I had a lady tell me one time over in another church, God, don't put prayer burdens on people. I said, well, I happen to know he does. Amen. Amen. But we have, the Holy Spirit does put burdens of prayer upon us for individuals, for someone. Sometimes you may know who that burden's for, sometimes you may not. You may not know what the need is or what the problem is is but the holy spirit and this is the thing is there to make intercession through you to help you to pray it may be at times in tongues it may be uh, as paul said there in, in romans 8 groanings the bible talks about it as being travail in the spirit Anybody know what I'm talking about? Travail just like labor pains. Um, you know, there's, listen, we'll get into this maybe next week, so come back next week for the last part of this. But, but listen, there will not be, maybe this is the reason in the church as a whole that there's not as many births into the kingdom as there should be because there's not any spiritual travail in the spirit to birth those souls, amen, into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. I'm going to have to watch it or I'll be off into this intercession part of it, but, but I want to save that for next week. But, but listen, uh, Sister Michelle sent me a, a video of, of, uh, of some guys talking about that very thing of, the, of revival praying and, and, and travail. And when you study the lives of Charles Finney, and uh, some of these great revivalists. Listen, those revivals didn't just happen. 100,000 souls, 100,000 souls saved in Rochester, New York during Finney's revival. The gro what they called the grog shops. How many knows what a grog shop is? It's a honky-tonk. That's what they called them. It was a tavern. It was a bar. All of them, clo they closed down. The, the one circus, they had a circus in town. It was turned into a livery stable. People, they, the, the, they, there was a theater there that went out of business. Everything that had any worldly entertainment to it at all was shut down or went out of business because 100,000 people got saved in Rochester, New York in a revival there, but it was through prayer and intercession and travail in the 
Holy Spirit. And so we'll talk about that next week, about, about Daniel Nash. And if you want to do a little, little research, Google Daniel Nash and study him a little bit. He was an intercessor of Charles Finney's that went ahead uh, to those cities before Charles Finney went there. Him and another man by the name of Clary that went together and would rent a room or find a place and they would spend days in intercession, in prayer, in groanings, in travail before the Lord, giving birth to souls. Well, it's just the day we're living in, Pastor Rick. Nobody's getting saved in this day. There's mega churches everywhere. Isn't that amazing? Oh, I, see, I got a hush now. See, I... There's mega churches everywhere and the moral condition of this nation is lowest and worse than it's ever been. So these mega churches are having no, they're having zero influence on the society around them. They're nothing more than spiritual country clubs. Where's the prayers? Where's the intercessors? Come on. God said, I sought for a man to stand in the gap and make up the hedges. And it said that God was amazed and wondered because he could not find somebody to pray. Mm, man, let him, let him look here at Abundant Life and say, hey, I'm finding some folks at Abundant Life that will pray and will intercede. Oh, that will pray in the Holy Ghost. Oh, praise God. Stand with me, stand with me. Praise God. Amen. Amen, amen. Woo, hallelujah. See, I only went over by two minutes. I'm getting better every, every service. Amen. Praying in tongues, praying in the Holy Ghost, depending upon the Holy Spirit to help you pray will, will build you up. It will edify you spiritually.